Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Evansville Baptist Church. It's good to have you here for this afternoon service, the final service of our missions conference. And man, what a wonderful morning that we had this morning. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God's got for us this afternoon. Uh, but if you would, please begin with me. We'll start with our red hymn books again, 796. Hymn number 796 in your red hymn books. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Let's stand together as we sing this afternoon on the first. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Your compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling, he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. On that second verse, sing it out this morning. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace he did proffer, He'll praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory on that third verse, sing it out this morning. Now I've a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure, there in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believed. Riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I received. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Amen. How many of you remember the day that heaven came down and glory filled your soul? Man, if that day has happened in your life, then you ought to be working your hardest to make it happen in somebody else's life. What a wonderful day that was. We're going to start with a word of prayer. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brother Jesse Riggleman, would you open our service in prayer this afternoon?
Amen. You may be seated. I think I've pretty well, I think everybody that was here this morning is here this afternoon. So uh, I won't make mention of the um, uh, announcements uh, this afternoon, but I do want to remember, remember uh, that we do still, I'm sure we're probably, are we pretty close now to having the money for our missions Christmas? Oh, we have it now. So praise the Lord. Wonderful. That's as, that's wonderful to hear. So we'll be getting those uh, checks mailed out. And, and I'm pretty sure I can take the liberty to say this, but anything extra that would have come in, we'll just make sure that we get that divvied up to them as well. So that's wonderful. Amen. So that's good to hear. Uh, so uh, that, I guess that, that negates me having to make the announcement. So praise the Lord for that. But that's the only announcement I was going to make this afternoon. I want to make sure that we give our speaker uh, as much time as we can this afternoon. Uh, so let's get our hymn books back out. Amen. Let's turn to 680. Red Hymn Book, 689. I told you I was going out of the Red Hymn Book a lot for the last couple of days because I found a bunch of songs that we don't have in the blue ones. So praise the Lord. We're going to sing, I am bound for the promised land this this afternoon. 689. We'll sing the first, the second, and the last. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. How many of y'all, that's the first time you've sung that or the first time in a long time? Uh, it's been a little while. Let's sing it on the second verse. All o'er those wide extended plains shines one eternal day. There God the sun forever reigns and scatters night away. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Who will come? And go with me, I am bound for the promised land. On that last verse, sing it out this evening. When shall I reach that happy place and be forever blessed? When shall I see my Father's face and in His bosom rest? I am bound for the promised land, I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me, I am bound for the promised land. Amen. I'll say the same thing about this song as I said about the last one. If you're bound for the promised land, then you ought to be doing your very best to get somebody else bound there too. Amen. Well, let's uh, sing our song of the month together in the back of your bulletin. 
around the corner, around the world. We'll sing it through just one time this this afternoon. Around the corner, around the world, around the corner, around the world. A soul needs Jesus. A soul has never heard. Let's take the good news. Let's take God's living word around the corner, around the world. Amen. I hope that at the, by the end of this month, I hope we know this song pretty well, and I hope it's stuck in your heart. And I hope it's something that you can't get out of your heart that you ought to be going around the corner and you ought to be given so that people can go around the world. Amen. Well, wonderful uh, song there. We're going to take our offering at this time, and this offering is going to be just for uh, our special speakers. Just we want to make this a good love offering for them. So we're going to take, uh, this will be the last offering that we take. I know we've taken like 12 of them the last couple days, but uh, this will be the final offering for uh, our conference. So we want to make sure that we can give our, um, our speakers a good love offering there. So uh, we'll do that here in just a moment. We'll take this offering. Uh, let's see. Um, I'll, I guess I'll pray for this offering. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much again uh, for these special speakers, Lord. I'm so grateful for, Lord, their heart for missions and their heart for lost souls. I pray that a little bit of that would rub off on us uh, this, this, over these past few days. Uh, Lord, I pray that we'd have a new desire to reach the, uh, the lost, Lord. I pray that we'd have a new desire to give to missions. Lord, I pray that we'd have a new, a new perspective on what missions means to us. Lord, I pray that that would be the case uh, over this uh, next uh, service that we're going to have, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray that you just bless this offering, Lord. I pray that it be a blessing to these speakers. In your name I pray. Amen. While they take the, this offering, welcome one another to the service. You can wave or shake hands. Welcome one another to the service. Brother. It's like the it's like floor thirteen or something. It's exactly. You should have a hymnal text to that. Actually. Okay, if you'd please stand with me this evening or this. I'm never going to get it right. I, I can't say this afternoon. It just doesn't seem right. But this afternoon, if you'd please stand with me, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse number 9. We're going to have our scripture reading at this time. Romans chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 9. We should just about have these memorized. We've, uh, we've read them so many times together. And, and, uh, but these are wonderful verses uh, that we're going to take and hold to for the conference this year. And I hope we'll take and hold to them throughout our lives as well. Wonderful message in these verses. Romans chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 9. If you're there this, this afternoon, say amen. 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 Again, Romans chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 9. If you'll join with me on verse number 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness... And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And altogether on verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Amen. You may be seated. Let's get our hymn books out one, one final time this afternoon. And uh, we'll turn to hymn number 666. And I said, I don't know why they put this number in the hymn book, uh, but it's a great song. My Jesus, I love thee. But maybe they should have just skipped. We'll just call it 667, okay? Just the number before 667. That's where we're going to be. This uh, We'll sing this song. We'll sing the first, the second, and the last together. My Jesus, I love thee. Sing it out this, this afternoon. Number 666. On the first, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior, art thou. Tis now on that second verse. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's stream. I love thee for wearing the on thy brow if ever I love thee my Jesus tis now on that last verse think of the words in mansions of glory and endless delight I'll is now. Amen. If we truly love him, then we'll be giving people the gospel. Amen. If we truly love him, we're going to do everything that we can uh, to get the gospel, just like it says in Mark 16, 15, to every creature, if we truly love him. Wonderful song. We're going to have some uh, special music at this time, if I can find my paper. Some are discouraged 
from bearing the load. But we must determine to keep pressing on, cause if just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, it'd be worth every struggle, it would be worth every mile. A lifetime of labor is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. So preachers keep preaching, and singers go sing, and laymen keep sharing that Jesus is King. The angels have gathered, they're surrounding the throne, and they'll start rejoicing for just one more soul. Cause if just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, it'd be worth every struggle, it'd be worth every mile. A lifetime of labor is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. A lifetime of labor is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. If it rescues just one more soul. Amen. Well, we're going to have Brother Snipes going to preach for us again. And man, this morning was what a wonderful message this morning. And I am just excited for what the Lord's going to do on this last service. I can't believe we've already had this is our fourth service already. And Man, I'm just been, I've been convicted, and I've just gotten so excited. The Lord's done uh, so many works. If you haven't heard this morning, there was one uh, little girl in, in Sunday school downstairs that got saved this morning, and uh, wonderful. Last week, we saw four young people got saved. This week, we saw one, and uh, we're going to get these baptistry waters moving here in just a, just a couple of weeks, so praise the Lord for that. God's been good, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, God has placed on Brother Snipe's heart for this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate you. Man, thanks for staying this afternoon. I know this is kind of a challenging time to have a service right after we ate. Come on now. Um, but it is important. I would rather have a service after eating than not having eaten. Come on now. So I uh, do appreciate. Uh, how many of you ladies or men prepared something? Would you raise your hand? I know many of you worked very hard. I, let me commend you for that. Thank you for your dedication. Uh, I learned years ago that I try to try a little bit of everything. And that way, if somebody says, did you try mine? Yeah, it was great. And, uh, but I don't know who all made what, but I really appreciate the work, the effort, uh, the toil that you put into it. It makes it uh, for a nice meal. How many of you enjoyed the meal this afternoon? And I appreciate that, whether it was the main meal or the dessert or the coffee, you know, whatever it was, whatever part you had to play, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. This is also a joy for me as a teacher. Uh, obviously, my goal is to see the students make it. My goal is to see the students do something for the Lord. Uh, my whole goal in serving at the college, it was a challenge. I'll be speak very candidly. Uh, 17 years ago, a little 17 and a half years ago now, when I went in my, into my pastor's office and my, we had come back off the field due to my wife's health, and uh, it was very challenging because I really so desperately wanted to go back to the mission field. And I spent an hour or two each day for 13 weeks and said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you want to do, but my life is literally yours to control. Whatever you want, wherever you want it. I'm at your, as, as our pastor says, I'm garbage at your disposal. However you want to use me, it doesn't matter. And whatever you want to do. And I went into my pastor's office and he said, 
Would you be willing to teach at the college? And I'm sure for many people, they would have said, oh, you know, jumping up and down. For me, it was very bittersweet because as much as I wanted to invest in young people, my heart's on the mission field. And I, hope, I don't know if everybody can fully understand that like it was for me, but I, I literally began to cry. And I said, if that's what you believe, that's what the Lord's will is for my life. Uh, I would be delighted to do it. And uh, from that point, uh, it was in November, I started teaching that in January. And for 17 years, it's hard to believe uh, that I've had uh, such wonderful young people. And of course, your pastor's been there, uh, pastor's wife's been there, and then uh, Brother John Atkins and his wife been there. And uh, for me, it's very encouraging uh, to come out and see now what a former student in a classroom is now doing. And then to see you preach last night, I just sat there and I reveled. I was like, I don't know why I'm preaching tomorrow. I should just listen to Brother John all day. I could listen to him all day. I thank the Lord for those who God has allowed me to serve with in the ministry. And uh, his, uh, his parents serving the Lord in Canada for many, many years. And, and then, of course, uh, just it's, it's a delight to be here. Of course, your pastor's wife's um, uh, parents, of course, serving there in Montana. I've made it to Montana for the first time this last summer. And just it's been very delightful. And. I remember one of my, I think, I think you were, I don't know how long you've been a bus captain, but he asked me to come on his bus route, Brother John Atkins did. And that Saturday, we met somebody who had just come from Mexico the day before. And I don't know, I just began witnessing to him in Spanish and he trusted Christ as Savior. And I thought somebody that had only been in the States one day, uh, we found him. His name was Sylvester. I still have it on one of my lists somewhere praying for him, but his name's Sylvester and he trusted Christ as Savior. And I thought, what, what's, what's the odds of that? And then to see God using your pastor and then, of course, what a great investment his grandparents have had in parents and now uh, grandchildren and making it down from Canada. Thanks for being here. I've enjoyed the conversation. I was talking about the conversation, even about revival. We were talking about yesterday, we were talking about it, I don't know, last time or this morning or sometime in the last year. Um, we were talking about that, but it is wonderful to be here. There's no better place to be but in the center of God's will. And uh, your pastor, man, he's, he's uh, pretty amazing playing the guitar and singing and then singing earlier. And just uh, God's given him many talents. I appreciate that. And of course, enjoyed hearing him and his wife and uh, Brother John and his wife. And, and then, of course, your mom. And I just kind of stood over here and I had, a, I had on my phone, I just play. No, um, but I enjoyed that this morning, singing with y'all. Thanks for the opportunity there. If you have your Bibles, I know, uh, I know it's a little bit of a challenge right after we have eaten uh, to, uh, to jump into a message. I'll try to be uh, brief, uh, but I'll also try to give what I believe God has for us. Uh, this again is our missions conference. And as I stated this morning, I believe I said something like this. This is a business meeting, uh, for not a literal church business meeting, but literally you're saying this is what I plan on doing for the Lord in regards to missions. The purpose of the church is missions. Amen. I've stated in many churches, if a church has ceased to fulfill the Great Commission, they have lost and forfeited their right to exist. A church that is no longer fulfilling, and that's not my guess, that's not my responsibility, uh, to, 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 or my opinion. That's what God, God tells us, that we should fulfill the Great Commission. That is the church's responsibility. That's what we're in business for. And so as I saw the, uh, the bulletin board back here, and as I saw the map over here, and I went down and saw the map of others there, and uh, there's a great responsibility that we have, and I'm very thankful. I'm also, I also commend you, if I can say it this way, I don't know all the history of the church, but I know you were without a pastor for six or seven years and to keep everything together, I commend you. Uh, there, if I can say it this way, 
There are many churches that would not have made it six or seven years. And I'm glad that you made it that long, but now I'm glad you have a pastor. And so I, I'm almost giddy. I'm almost like a, like, a, like a kid on the Christmas Eve waiting to get up Christmas morning to see what gifts are out there because I think the best is yet to come. And I believe God's got a bright future for all of you. Uh, and I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for staying faithful to the Lord. And again, I'm thankful for your pastor. Look with me, if you would, to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Uh, because we have been sitting a little bit, if you're not able to stand, that's fine. But if you are able to stand, would you stand with me as we read eight verses? Would you stand with me as we read eight verses here in John chapter 5, if you're able to do so? We'll all stand, those that can. Um, but John chapter 5, look at verse, verses 1 through 8, and I'll preach a simple message this afternoon. We'll get there in just a moment. John chapter 5, again, I appreciate the... Um, Hotel accommodations as well as the the uh, basket of goodies. Thank you for that. And again, thank you for the meal. That was an amazing meal. To go down there and to see all that food spread out, the hardest thing is not to fill up a plate with each one of those things. And uh, then I would not have made it back up the stairs. And so I decided not to. Uh, but I really appreciate it. Uh, Y'all all have won the contest. Whatever contest it was, you all won. Okay. Uh, John 5, look at verse number 1. It says, after this, there was a feast. Maybe it's speaking about this afternoon. No. Um, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and the, Jesus uh, went up to Jerusalem. Now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been uh, now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, strange question, Jesus asks him, wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, sir, and if you'd underline this in your Bible, if you're used to underlining, I have no man. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. And while I am uh, coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, rise take up that bed and walk. And it says, and immediately the man was made whole. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. We love you. We need you this afternoon. Would you speak through me? Help me to, not to say anything that I shouldn't say. Help me to say only what you'd have me say. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Very thankful again this afternoon that we have a pastor here at the church. There are, unfortunately, there are many places around the world where there's no pastor. There's no missionary. There's no national pastor. There's no soul winner. There's no track. There's no John and Romans. There's no portion of scripture. There's definitely not a whole Bible. There are some places where I've been to where, uh, and I, I, I'll be very careful. I know we're live streaming, so I'll be very careful. But there have been some places that I've been to around the world that the week before I got there, people were arrested for preaching the gospel. People were arrested for passing out tracts. And so when I got to those places, I said, what should I do? What should I not do? Because I'd never want to make it more dangerous for a missionary who's getting out the word of God. But I'm glad we're in a country where we have freedom. But if we don't stand up for that freedom, we don't use that freedom that God's given to us, it could very easily be taken away from us. 
I've thanked many people over the last few days we have at our church today. There's, uh, they're celebrating in some ways veterans. And, and I thought many times as I've thought about veterans who have served our country. And I think, as I mentioned, a man last night and I thanked a man yesterday. And I thanked a man at the airport, uh, several people wearing their hats this time of the year, thanking them for that. But not only has God used men in that and ladies in our armed services, but we see several examples of men that God used in the Bible. Of course, in this passage here, before I move on, in this passage, there was a feast, which is what we had downstairs. It's called a feast, all right? If you're looking for what a feast is, we just had one, okay? You should have taken pictures and said, this is the picture of the feast, all right? But with that, there's Jesus here, and there's a lot of people. I cannot imagine this, this scene. I can't imagine the groaning, the agonizing, the maybe even complaining. And as bad as we say we wouldn't complain, we're not one of these people that's there maimed and halt and withered and not being able to walk. And not, uh, I was recently at a missions conference and the, the uh, pastor's mom is blind and deaf. Now, I wouldn't want to be blind and I wouldn't want to be deaf, but I definitely wouldn't want to be blind and deaf. But I saw her smile probably more than anyone else at that conference and while we were at that conference, we made a visit one afternoon. I was there for several days, and we made a visit. And one of the ladies had rheumatoid arthritis that we saw, and her, her hands were all twisted, all kind of stuck together. Her toes were not only twisted, but they were overlapping each other, if you can imagine that. And she came to the door. I, I was wondering why it took a little while to get there. And then when I saw her, I felt bad. Her husband had an oxygen mask and, and had oxygen going all the way through the house and to his face there. And I thought, man, what a privilege we have to not have to deal with that. And it may get to the point where one of us has to deal with that and we have to go through that. But I see that here. There's a lot of people who are sick. I can imagine there were a lot of people who were waiting nearby this pool of water where once a year there was a moving of the water. And when the water began to move, whoever first went down into the water, they were healed. I don't know about you, but if that would have been me, I would have, I would have had a tent near the water. I would have had a house near the water. I would have had maybe, maybe a, a, little, uh, a little emergency pack near the water. And if it was about that time, I would just sit there. I don't think I would have slept at night. I think I would have stayed awake just waiting for the moving of the water so that I could be healed. And I think that man was right there. We don't know how, how long the man was near the water. We do know the man had a disease for 30 and 8 years, though the Bible doesn't tell us how long he had been by the water there. It just says he had the disease that long. Jesus says here he'd been there for quite some time. Uh, the the, the uh, passage here says uh, in verse number 5, it talks about him having the infirmity 30 and 8 years. But then Jesus asks him a question. He says, wilt thou be made whole? To me, it's an easy yes. Yes. How many, how many of you, if you had a disabling disease and Jesus came to you and he said, will you be whole? Would you like to be whole? How many of you would say yes? Would you raise your hand? But that's not how the man answers. I mean, I would have said yes. <laughs> yeah, I would have kind of laughed like, I know you're not the angel, but if you can help me, help. But he answers in a very unique way. He says, sir, I have no man. You know what he said? I can't do it by myself. You know, that's where the world is all around. They, can't, they need help. And in, in some cases, they don't even know that they need help. I was in the Middle East, and I was, I was heading back to the airport, and two men who, they don't even really go to the church where I was at, two men who are Muslim, they said, we'll help you out. And, and two ten, one of them is, uh, I think one of them was 19 years old, one was 21 years old. And I asked one of them, did he read the Bible? And he said, yes, I've read the Bible. 
He said, I've read the Bible all the way through. And I said, I said, do you have any questions about it? He said, no. He said, he said, I'm Muslim. He said, I'm going to stay Muslim. I don't have any interest in switching. And I took them out for a meal and we got to talk and they were bringing me to the bus station that would then bring me to the airport. And I was amazed because I sat beside him and as I as I tried to give them the, the gospel and I went through the plan of salvation, I said, would either one of you like to get saved? And one said, you've given me a lot to think about. He said, I've never heard it before. This is the first time I've been given the gospel. The other one said, I'm not interested right now. They said, but when we are interested, we'll let you know. And then we sat at the bus station. It was going to be about two hours before the bus left. And they just kind of sat beside me like if they were my dad, you know, waiting for his son to leave. And, and I said, you guys can go. I'm fine sitting here. And they're like, no. They said, even in the religion that we are, even in how we believe, we take care of other people more than we take care of ourselves. And they said, we're going to sit here until you get on the bus. And so I finally got on the bus. And I felt like a little kid going to junior camp as I waved to them as they, as they walked away. But you know what those two men need? They need the gospel. They need the gospel. I'm so privileged to have grown up in a Christian home. I'll never be able to thank my two aunts who are watching this morning. I don't think they're able to watch this afternoon. But I'm so thankful for my mom and my dad who gave me the gospel as a four-year-old boy. As a four-year-old boy, I didn't know for sure I was going to heaven. My grandfather was rushed to the hospital. And I began to ask my dad questions. I'm thankful for the nursery. I'm thankful for junior church. I'm thankful for those who work with kids. And and as a four-year-old boy, I began to ask my parents questions like, if he does die, where is he going to go? And my parents said, he's going to heaven. And then I said, can I go to heaven? And they said, yes. And they showed me with the big family Bible. How many of you ever had a family Bible before? It was about as tall as I was and not a whole lot. Uh, I'm not a whole lot taller now than I was then. But let me continue with the message. There's several men that God used in the Bible. I believe God used Noah, who was a just man that walked with God. I believe God used Abraham, who was willing to leave his own country. God used Isaac, a man who's willing to trust his father. And before we just say, well, that's a great story. I can't imagine telling my 20-year-old, hey, we're going for an altar. We're, we're going to uh, give, a, give a sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, who's the sacrifice? Why don't you lay down, son? I cannot imagine. I think my 20-year-old would just kind of do like this and probably flex as he puts his arms like this and says, I think not, Dad. I think if my 18-year-old, and again, I can, is it fair enough? That would be, if we put it, we just put it like these were great heroes, but I don't know if, if my 18-year-old, he would probably say, are you sure, Dad? My 20-year-old would be like, I, I'm sure this is not happening. But my 18-year-old probably would let me, really, Dad? Like, you want me to lay there? Like, just like for practice, or what are we doing here? But Isaac was willing to do that. Isaac was willing to obey his father and listen to him. Joseph, who, with, uh, who was a man with whom God was. Moses, who was a man who would free and lead the Israelites. Joshua, who was a man who would lead the battle of Jericho. David, who was a man after God's own heart. Job, who was a man that God used through suffering. Daniel, who was a man that would not defile himself. Stephen, who was a man who was Christ-like. Andrew, who was a man who was used to reach Peter. And it's interesting to me, Andrew was never someone who was all across the scripture, but Andrew was the one that won Peter to Christ, and God used Peter greatly. And you know what I'm encouraged? If I can just win somebody, maybe God can use them to do something else for them. If I can teach someone, maybe God could use them to make a great impact. It doesn't have to be you and me. Maybe we could win the one to Christ that will then make a great impact for the cause of Christ. Peter was a man who was bold and would preach at Pentecost. Philip was a man who would reach Nathaniel. Paul was the one who was a light to the Gentiles. Then I think about several ladies. I think about Rhoda. How many know the story about Rhoda? Peter came out of prison and great miracle there. And then she comes and Rhoda, for excitement, she's just, oh man, Peter's at the door. And she goes in. What were they doing? They were praying. It was the church praying inside the house. And they, you know what they were praying for? For God to let Peter go. 
So God did answer the prayer, and Peter's over here. Peter's at the door, and uh, Rhoda, for gladness, she's like, oh, oh, Peter. And she goes and tells him, hey, guys, and you know what they said? It's probably his spirit, meaning that he's probably already died, y'all. Amazing, a teenage girl, a young maid, someone that, did, that wasn't very old. She trusted God more than seasoned Christians. I don't want to be in that group. Stay with me here. I want to be a seasoned Christian, but I want to realize that God answers prayer. You know what Peter did? He continued knocking. What a powerful story there. Uh, I'm still here, y'all. Everybody's still here? But I love the example that we have of Rhoda. I think of Hannah, who was a lady that believed that God would answer prayer. Of course, that's in Samuel. I like Esther here, who said, if I perish, I perish. There's a lot of men that wouldn't say that, but Esther's like, if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. I'm just going to do what I can for the cause of Christ. I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I know we should not pray to her. I know that she uh, should not be held up as a saint, but could you imagine having that responsibility? And uh, could you imagine she was the one that God chose to be uh, his mother? What a powerful story. And I still believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Come on now. Uh, the world can't explain it. Neither can I, but I'm glad it happened. Come on now. Uh, I'm also thankful for men that have helped me. I've got a whole list here. I won't read the whole list, but I'm thankful for my dad. My dad, to this day, struggles with diabetes and Parkinson's, and he's had a brainstem stroke, and he's had open-heart surgery, and he's got the beginning stages of dementia. But I'll be thankful to, for eternity for my dad, my dad who taught me to work hard, my dad who loved my mom until she went home to be with Jesus for 47 years. I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for those men who, I thank the Lord for my pastor, Pastor John Wilkerson. I have on the list here, Dr. Pete Cowling, which we talked about uh, over the last couple of days, but several other men. I'm thankful for those men, teachers, pastors, ministers, those who've helped me for the cause of Christ. But I'm going to give us three observ observations, uh, if I could, of how God uses people. Number one, God is no respecter of persons. God is no respect. I'm glad that God likes short people because he made lots of us. Everybody still with me? At least, at least a few of you should be with me. Okay, stay with me. Okay, thank you. That's what I was waiting for. Um, but God is no respecter of persons. I'm glad that he, when I was 11 years old, I was sitting in a, in a uh, Christian school chapel and the service was given about serving God full time. And I thought, man, Jim would be good and Jessica would be good and Jana would be good and Julie would be good. And I thought, man, I had a list of people that should serve God. And then God said, I want you. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to make this for the, the distance from the place I was sitting to the place. I, and I remember, you ever been there before? You held onto the pew like hoping he would finish? Anybody been there before? Like, hurry up and pray. Hurry up and close the altar. And the altar's officially closed. You know, please. And I, I remember I just held on and the Holy Spirit said, no, come forward. And I did. And I, I was the only one that came forward that day out of the message that was preached. I came forward. I was so embarrassed. I was so shy. And I came down and I said, Lord, I don't know if you can use me. And somebody came and prayed for me. And I remember after class, several of my classmates came up to me and said, are you sure God wants to use me? I mean, I was 11. I wasn't for sure about anything as an 11-year-old. And I'm thinking, I don't know, you know. I'm almost in tears, but I remember coming home telling my mom and dad, I said, God, I surrender my life to serve God today. And my parents said, well, if you surrender your life to serve God, God's going to use you. And so they had no idea 35 years later that I'd be preaching in Niles, Ohio. Come on now. They had no idea that I'd serve in several parts of the world. They had no idea, but I'm so thankful that my parents decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help my son. I'm going to encourage him. I'm going to minister him. And maybe mom's watching from heaven this morning but I, or this afternoon, but I'm so glad that God's no respecter of persons. As a 13-year-old boy, same chapel service, God called me to be a missionary. I didn't know at that time missionaries started churches. 
I didn't know at that time missionaries were soul winners. I just thought a missionary went to another country to help them live and to help them eat and to help manage things and to just to be a blessing to them. I had no idea. But you know, God knew with that chapel message what a missionary was. And so when I found out a little bit later there was a preacher, I'm like, well, I, guess I, I better learn how to preach. Not that I'm real good at it to this day, but I love preaching. I love giving the word of God. But I'm so thankful that he called me and I'm glad he's no respecter of persons. The Bible says in Romans 2, 11, there's no respect of persons with God. And I'm so glad it doesn't matter your background or my background. doesn't matter where we grew up. doesn't matter who our parents were. doesn't matter anything about our background. God's no respecter of persons. Number two, God will use anyone who wants to be used. God will use anyone who wants to be used. I don't know about you, but when I play a sport, I don't like sitting on the bench. Can I get a witness right there? If I'm going to play soccer, get me on the, get me on the field. If we're going to play basketball, don't have, me, don't have me come in at the last five seconds so we can clap for the team that won the game. If we're going to play football and I'm going to put the shoulder pads on, I'm going to put the helmet on, even if sometimes it's a little too heavy for me, if I was going to do that, let me in the game. I want to be part of the game. I want to end the game. And you know what? God loves it. God loves it when a young lady and a, uh, a young man or an older lady and an older man says, Lord, I want in the game. I want you to use me. God will use you that way. And I believe that's why God's using this church because several of you have said, because of your Super Saturday soul winning and other times, I want in the game. I want in the game. And me too. I'm not a very good, I'm not a very good spectator. If you go to, with me to a game, I'm not a good spectator. I try the best I can, but I want to get on the field. Like if this guy's going to strike out, give me the bat. If this guy's going to, if this guy can't shoot a three, pass me the basketball. If this guy can't catch, throw me the glove. I'll help him out. Everybody still with me? This I want to be in the game. I want to be used. The Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 25, would you turn there with me? Matthew 16, verse 25, please. Matthew 16. I said, number one, God's no respecter of persons. We'll go back to the story in just a moment. I have no man. We're, we're heading there. I'm circling around in just a moment. But I said, number one, God's no respecter of persons. These are observations that I see in the scripture as we look for men, as we look for ladies who need to be used and want to be used by God. Number two, I said, God will use anyone who wants to be used. Matthew 16, look at verse number 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit of if he should gain the whole world? Gain the whole world. All right, let me stay here. Gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a powerful question, though. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his work. Uh, the questions asked here, what is a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? How many of you have ever seen, whether as a sports hero, whether as an actress or an actor, you know of someone, at least their name, somebody that's fairly rich? Would you raise your hand? You know of someone. I'm not saying personally, but you've seen them on the news. All right, which doesn't necessarily mean you know them, okay? They definitely don't know us if we saw them. I know who they are. Well, we probably know who they are. They probably don't know who we are, all right? But with that, I look at those people and I think, man, they've got this car and they've got that car and they've got this and they've got that. And I think, but what does it profit them if they don't have Jesus? Stay with me here. If we have Jesus, we have everything. If we, if we don't have Jesus, we literally don't have anything. Number one, God's no respecter of persons. Number two, God will use anyone who wants to be used. Number three, God wants more labors. God wants more labors. I think this passage was gone to maybe on Friday night, but would you turn that back there to Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. 
Matthew chapter 9. Look at verses 37 and 38, if you would. Verse 37 and 38 of Matthew chapter 9 says this. Then said he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are. That doesn't make sense to me. If the harvest is plenteous, there should be laborers plenteous as well. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. But what is our responsibility? The next verse, the first word says... Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. So I said God has no respect of persons. I said God will use anyone who wants to be used, but God also wants more labors. Let me ask you a question. As we look at the 8 billion people in the world, if we look at the, well, whether you say there's 193 or 194 or 195 countries, because if you look at Google, it'll give you those three numbers, either 193, 194, 195, it'll be within that. It'll also tell you there's about 60 territories and other islands, which are not countries, but also need the gospel. So we're looking at 60 plus 194, about 254, 255 countries, islands, territories, and so forth. And if we were to see the need, and we had uh, this afternoon, we had, a, we had a poll, and there's a heavy end over here, and there's a light end over here, and you got nine guys on this end, the light end, and you got one guy on the heavy end. I ask you the question, would you go and help the light end out, or would you go help this one lonely person with the heavy end? Which one would you help out? You know that's the world right now? Stay with me here. On this end, we've got all the gospel. It's the light end. It's, it's not the heavy end. It, there's, there's less people on this end, and you got one or two. You got two or three people on this end that desperately need help. As I look at the world, as I look at the 1040 window and look at uh, the primary, uh, uh, the majority of the people's Muslims and, and Buddhists and Hindus and sometimes atheists, as you look at that part of the world, I think there's a great need around the world. I was in, this, I was in the mountains of, of Hidalgo, Mexico. And I was way on up there. And, man, we had driven to where I thought the next, the next turn was going to be heaven. I mean, we were, like, way up in the mountains. You ever been anywhere like that where just way on up there? And I thought, we're never going to get here. <clears throat> we finally got there. I was just kind of the driver, the chauffeur. And as we got up there, there was somebody else preaching. And I was, at the time, I was probably 22 years old, 23 years old. It's been over 20 years since then. But I remember getting there, and I remember... They were having services, and there was another missionary that was there with me, and we both said, man, let's go find somebody to talk to about the gospel. They can, they can handle this. And so we went outside, and we began speaking with some children, and there were about 16, 17 kids there, and I talked to one of the boys, and he was the only one that spoke Spanish. The other ones all spoke a different dialect, but he spoke the dialect, and so I told the boy, I said, how about we do this? How about missionary so-and-so? He'll, he'll, uh, he'll, I'll call him missionary Smith. Missionary Smith, he'll give the gospel. He'll uh, give David and Goliath in English. I'll give it in Spanish, and this boy can translate it into the dialect. And I thought, we got a good plan going. So he translated, or he gave the story. I translated, and the boy translated. We had a great time until we got to the plan of salvation. When it was time for the plan of salvation, um, he was given the plan of salvation. Then I was given it, and the boy stopped translating. And the boy looked at me. He said, I'm not going to translate for you the rest of the story until you tell me all of the story. He said, I'm willing to accept it. He, he said, then I'll translate it for you. So I was like, well, if I, don't, if I lose my voice over here, then I don't have a help for these other 16. So I said, I'll tell you first. So the boy trusted Christ as Savior. He said, OK, now I'm ready to translate. And then he translated for the other 16. They all trusted Christ as Savior. And I remember going, I remember getting thirsty after that. I remember walking to a little bamboo shack there, and I remember uh, as they kind of, as he kind of wheeled up, a little bamboo kind of curtain came up, and, and he put out a Coke and a Pepsi and a Sprite and a Fanta. As I saw the American drinks there, everybody still with me? 
I saw the Americans drinks there and I thought, it's amazing. I'm seven, eight, nine hours up into the mountains and some American businessmen cared enough about their soda to get it up here. But these children didn't have the gospel. And that's like most of the world. The most of the world, much of the world desperately still needs the gospel. I wonder if there's somebody in this city that says, because they haven't heard about the church yet, because they haven't been given a track yet, they say, I have no man. I wonder what city in the United States says, I have no man. I wonder what country is saying, like the story we read, I, Jesus asked, would you like to be healed? Would you like to have the gospel? Would you like to give the plan of salvation? And they say, I have no man. I think about this afternoon, Afghanistan and Algeria and Bangladesh and Burma and Cambodia and Cyprus and Egypt and Eritrea and Ethiopia and Greece and India and Iran and Iraq. I think about Israel today, all the war-torn parts of Israel and all that's happening there and the need of the gospel even in Israel, Japan and North Korea and South Korea and Lebanon and Libya and just a whole list of Niger and Turkey and Tunisia and Taiwan and United Arab Emirates. And I look at that and there was an African chief speaking one day to David Livingston. How many of you are familiar with David Livingston, missionary to Africa? An African chief was speaking to David Livingston. He made this statement. All my forefathers have passed away into darkness without nothing that was to befall them. How is it that your forefathers, knowing all these things, did not send someone sooner? And I wonder that I was in Iquitos, Peru, which is right along the Amazon River. And I knocked on the door. I heard several people inside and uh, a teacher came out. He said he was mentoring four of their college students in his house. And so I said, do you, know, do you know, guys know for sure you're going to heaven? And he said, we don't. He said, why don't you pull up a chair? And whenever somebody invites you in and says, pull up a chair, you know what you do? You, you walk in and you pull up a chair. And so I talked with him, talked with the other four. All five of them trusted Christ as Savior. I heard some people outside. I could hear them in the window and I thought, oh, great. And your mind kind of plays tricks on you sometimes. Anybody else's mind you play, plays tricks on you sometimes? And I thought, it's probably somebody that's not happy that I'm here and probably somebody that's, that's, that's going to chew me out when I walk out. And I walked out and there's about nine or ten kids all up in the window listening to what I was having to say. And I said, hey, guys. I said, did you just hear what I was telling these, uh, these men about? And they said, yes. And I said, would you like to trust Christ as Savior? And all nine of them trusted Christ as Savior. You said, what are you saying? All they needed is a man. All they needed is a man. I was in uh, Chacotangues, Veracruz, Mexico, and we were having a great service there. And uh, somebody had actually rented a Barney costume. How many know Barney, that purple dinosaur that's not my favorite? But they had rented a Barney costume, so they were kind of working with the kids there. And, and that's a whole other story I could leave for another time. But they were helping the kids, and then we were with the adults trying to help the adults out. And with that, we, got, we were tired. Several hundred people had trusted Christ as Savior that day. We finally got to where we were going to be sleeping that evening. We walked in, and there was a lady named Guadalupe, 96-year-old lady. And uh, we walked in, and she had a bag, bag tied around her foot. And I said, what's that on your foot? She said, I have cancer. She said, I've had cancer for 25 years. It's very slow, kind of, but, it, but it, it messes with my foot, my ankle there. And she said, I've got some issues. And my wife and I didn't know what else to tell her, but do you know for sure you're going to heaven? I mean, she's 96. Everybody still with me? I mean, it's probably a good time to give her the gospel. Okay, so we asked her, and she said, no, I don't know for sure. And I said, if you'd like to, I said, would you like to know? She said, well, of course. And so we gave her the plan of salvation, and she trusted Christ as Savior. And she was happy, but then her happiness turned into a, almost a mad face. And I thought, how can someone turn from an angel to the opposite? You know, I thought, how is this happening? And so she said, she, she asked me the question. She said, how old were you when you trusted Christ as Savior? And I said, I was four years old. 
And then she looked over at my wife and she said, and how old were you when you got saved? And my wife said, I was 12 years old. And she said, was it your first time hearing the gospel? And I said, probably not. I, I probably heard the gospel before. And then she looked at my wife and she said, was it your first time hearing the gospel? And my wife said, I don't think it was. She said, it's not fair. She said, I'm 96 years old. She said, I would have gotten saved at the age of four, but nobody told me. She said, I would have gotten the age, saved at the age of 12, but nobody told me. And then she asked me a question I didn't know how to answer. I don't know how you would have answered it. But she said, could it have been that somebody was called to come to my village? Somebody was called to my, come to my country earlier and they decided not to? I didn't know how to answer her. She only lived two more years. She died at the age of 98, I was told. But I wonder if people around the world, there's people all around that they need somebody to give them the gospel. They need somebody to help them. I, as I've traveled through Mexico City and Lima, Peru and Guatemala City and Aruba and Curacao and as I've been to Prague and Dechen in the Czech Republic, and as I've been to Botswana and Tanzania and South Africa and Namibia and Ghana and Zambia and Kenya and Nigeria and Zimbabwe, just to list a few of those places, as I've been to Warsaw, Poland and Rome and Milan, Italy and Cairo and Alexandria, Egypt and Bursa and Istanbul and Turkey and London, England and Paris, France, I've Many times wondered if there's, there's someone there. I think about the story in Acts 16, verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And I wonder as I think about those countries, which country is saying, Come over and help us? Would you turn to one more passage, if you would? Ezekiel chapter 3. One more passage, and I'm done. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on now. Ezekiel chapter 3, please. Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, would you go there with me? Ezekiel chapter 3, we're talking about the story of the impotent man who when Jesus asked him, wilt thou be made whole? He said, I have no man. I can almost hear it around the world. I can hear it in Egypt. I can hear it in Turkey. I can hear it in Nigeria. I can hear it all around. Maybe we could even hear it if we go a little bit farther from Niles. I have no man. I have no witness. I have no pastor. I have, and you have a pastor here, but they haven't heard about him yet. They haven't been given a track yet. They haven't been given a Bible. As you ran out and gave a Bible to the one on the bus, I thought, man, I'm so glad she trusted Christ. I guess it was a young lady that trusted Christ as Savior. That's why we run the buses. We don't run the buses to pat ourselves on the back that we have a church that runs buses. We run buses for little girls to trust Jesus as their Savior. That's why we do it. That's just as much missions as a missionary going around the world. But let me continue here. Ezekiel chapter 3, look at verse number 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man will die, shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. I get asked a lot of times, why do I travel like I travel? Why do I go to churches? Why do I, uh, as I said goodbye to my wife last night, and I'll see her again, hopefully Saturday. I leave from this conference tomorrow to go to a different conference in Texas. Why do I travel like I travel? Because I don't want to have bloody hands one day when I see Jesus. I want to give everybody the possibility that I can. I want to give everybody the gospel. Why would we have a missions conference? Why would we get the flags up here? Why would we give them the offering? Why would we pray? Why would we work? Why would we have a bulletin that all may know? Why would we have all of that? Because God doesn't, God is, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 9. The impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man. I think about William Borden, the heir of. 
uh, would have been an heir of a very rich family. Was a, his family was a millionaire family. After his death, of course, he wanted to go to the Muslims in northern China, but he died at the age of 25. After his death, Borden's Bible was found and given to his parents. In it, they found in one place the words, no reserve. And a date placed, placed short, uh, uh, there was a note placed shortly after renouncing his fortune in favor of missions. That later, uh, a little bit later, there was a, another two words said, no retreat. It was dated shortly after his father told him he would never work in the company again. Shortly after he died, shortly before he died in Egypt, he added the phrase, no regrets. And if we live for life for Jesus, we'll have no regrets. I, I imagine as we see the great white throne drug, uh, judgment one day i don't know if we'll actually see and we'll hear them but man you know what you know what it doesn't necessarily give me nightmares but it makes me move on for the cause of christ is if we see them one day i don't want them to say i don't want my neighbors to say i had no man i don't want somebody that we could support around the world i don't want somebody whether it's whether it's from brazil or whether it's uh from italy or whether it's from france i don't I, it's amazing my daughter and i went to france about seven years ago we had 50 tracks so people think countries like france are so hard to get the gospel out we had 50 tracks only one person rejected a track out of 50 tracks everybody else took a track they're open there's people all around the world that would get saved but i wonder if this afternoon, you say, you say, how can we have our part? I, I gave you this morning, there's three basic things you can do for missions. How can we help someone have a man? Number one, we can pray. Number two, we can give. Number three, we can go. Now, you go locally, and you also go. This is normally a message where I would say, I want you to see who would surrender their life to serve the Lord, and that might be the case. Maybe there's somebody here that God's calling to go somewhere around the world. You think of the need, you see what, uh, come over and help us. But if you're not that person that would go, maybe we should decide to help somebody go, whether it's praying, whether it's giving, whether it's going. To, it's all of our responsibility to get locally the gospel of Christ. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes this afternoon. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you the same two questions that I asked this morning, and then I'll hand it over to Pastor. I'll give uh, three questions and then uh, turn it over to Pastor. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you would say, I know for sure I'm saved? I don't know if anyone else uh, came in after, after the morning service, but how many would say, I know for sure I'm saved? Would you slip your hand up? I know for sure I'm saved. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Would you slip your hand up? And as you put it down, would you just thank the Lord for that, that you had a man, that you had someone that would give you the gospel? How many of you would say, anyone say, secondly, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven beyond a, I don't, I have some doubts. I, I don't, I can't say that I'm, I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to know. Is there anyone here that you would doubt your salvation or you don't know for sure you're going to heaven you'd like for somebody to explain how to get saved would you slip your hand up anyone like that i don't know i'm saved i don't know i'm saved i don't know i'm going to heaven and then how many of you say this afternoon i want to be that man i want to be that lady for my neighbors for my friends for my relatives and i want to be that man i want to be that man or that lady i want to get the gospel out locally and i want to get it out globally would you pray for me just slip your hand up slip your hand up god bless you god bless you god bless you Father, I pray that you'd use the message preached. I pray that you'd use your word in this simple story here that we have with a man who needed some help, and Jesus came and helped him, but he asked him a question first. I pray that there would be nobody within our sphere of influence that would say, I didn't have a man. In Jesus' name, Pastor. Yeah, and every head bowed, every eye closed, and the altar's open, the piano's going to play, and as it does, maybe the Lord's speaking to your heart. Maybe there's somebody in your life that would say, I have no man. It's a very convicting statement to think about looking in that passage of Scripture in Ezekiel. Their blood is on our hands. Maybe there's somebody, again, in your sphere of influence that doesn't know about the saving 
grace of Jesus. Maybe there's somebody that would, except if they just were told. Hearing that story about the 94-year-old lady who accepted Christ and it was the first time she had heard. Don't let there be anybody in your life that has to go that long without hearing the gospel. The altars are open. Make a decision today that if there's somebody in your life that doesn't have a man, that you'll be that man. You'll be that woman. You'll be that person that will go and tell them what nobody else will tell them. The altars are open and you come. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you again for meeting with us this afternoon, Lord. What a wonderful message, Lord, and I pray that it be one that we take to heart. Lord, a very convicting message. Lord, I think all of us should be convicted by this. We can all do better. Lord, I think of the neighborhood that I live in, and I think of how many people, maybe the, maybe the neighbors right next door know, or maybe the neighbors right next to me have heard, but Lord, does my whole neighborhood know? The ones that are just two doors down from me, have they heard from my lips the gospel. Lord, I pray that'd be something that we'd all take to heart. And Lord, with this, the last service of our missions conference, Lord, I pray that there'd be some, uh, Lord, that would make a decision, as we, we looked at this morning, Lord, that maybe every week, whether it's a dollar or two dollars or three dollars or whatever that may be, Lord, I pray that there'd be many today that would make a decision that they're going to give. Um, Lord, I pray that there'd be some that would make a decision, Lord, that uh, or even that would make a decision that they would want to support even more than that, Lord, or uh, or do something. Maybe they may, maybe there's some here today, Lord, that Lord has maybe been putting off wanting to serve you, or giving their time, or giving their talents, or giving their energies. Lord, I pray that we take these things that we heard today to heart, Lord. I pray that we'd be that man. I pray that we'd be that person that would go and and uh, and would go and reach as many as we could, Lord. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. I pray that you'd take us home safely today, Lord. And again, I want to thank you for these special speakers that have come out, Lord. And uh, thank you for their hearts. Thank you for what they've preached, Lord. It's been a blessing to my heart, Lord. And I pray that it's been a blessing to many others. Lord, I pray that, you'd, that we would take these things that we've heard and take them with us and use them throughout this next week. Bring, keep, uh, take us home safely this afternoon, Lord, and bring us, home, uh, bring us back safely on Wednesday. In your name I pray. Amen. Again, thank you all for being with us here uh, for these four days of our conference, or four services of our conference. And uh, man, just wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, to have you all here with us. And again, thank you to uh, Brother Snipes for preaching this afternoon and this morning. And again, thank you to Brother John. Uh, he's just, uh, these two men are just, uh, they have servants' hearts. And, and Brother John, without a, skipping a beat, he hopped on the piano and started playing this morning and this afternoon. And I'm just so uh, so appreciative for that, and I sent him a text, I think, what was it, about a, not even a week ago, probably maybe five days ago, and said, hey, do you guys know this song? 
how about singing it on Sunday morning? And we got to practice it, what, maybe two, two times, and uh, I'm just so grateful that, that they were willing and were willing to do that. So, uh, you know what, let's do this. Let's take one final offering. If we've, maybe if we've forgotten to give or something like that, one final offering for these men. I want to make sure that we give them something good. And I know there's people that might say, well, we're taking the 25th offering of this weekend, but I want to make sure we give them something good. I, I, I want to show them our appreciation. Uh, if you would do that, we're going to take that offering. Brother Jim, if you just want to come forward and, uh, or yeah, either way, if you want to just come forward and we'll uh, take that offering uh, this, after, this afternoon, and that'll be uh, what we'll do to close out the service. That'll be fine. That'll be fine. I'll pray for the offering and then we can take that. Heavenly Father God, I thank you again for these wonderful speakers. Lord, I thank you for their willingness. Lord, I thank you for their dedication, Lord. I thank you for the impact that they've had on my life. And I pray that, Lord, they would have made an impact on many other lives uh, through these last couple of days. Lord, we thank you for them. Lord, thank you for, uh, Lord, their... Um, Lord, their desire to serve you, their desire for lost souls. Lord, I pray that through all of this, uh, many people would have gotten a, a renewed desire to serve you, a renewed desire to see lost souls saved. Lord, that's what we want. And Lord, even a renewed desire to support our missionaries and to even send more missionaries and support more missionaries. Lord, thank you for all that you've done and bless this offering. Uh, Lord, and take us home safely. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us. As they take the offering, you are dismissed. Mm -hmm.